Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Pausable Deniability. I'm one of your hosts, Bob, along with my co-host, David Miller. How are you doing, David? I'm doing great, Bob. How about yourself? Doing pretty good. So we're recording here the Sunday before Christmas. This episode will be airing on January 1st, 2021. Happy New Year to everyone. Yes, it's got to be a better year. There is no way it couldn't. If it's not, there won't be a 2022. <laughs> I was about to say, yeah, way to jinx it. That's that's great. That's fantastic. We're going to kind of take a left turn here because, you know, the first two episodes, uh, we hey, we did one about your dad, the country music DJ. And then our second one was about uh, the honky tonks and uh, dance hall. So they were both country music uh, centric. And uh, this episode's going to have little or nothing to do with country music because if we did Wait, another one, we actually... <laughs> you didn't tell me that. I, that's I only prepared topics that were country music centric 1940 to 1970 that was the i thought that was what we were talking about all the bands all the artists grand Ole opry stars we may work that in for february but for january we're doing a little year in review specifically about tv we were initially talked about maybe doing a year in review on tv movies music but we both kind of agreed the pandemic made everything extremely tv focused yeah uh, i mean i found myself watching a lot more tv obviously we stayed in a lot we didn't go out to go see a lot of movies i didn't watch a lot of movies that debuted on any of the streaming services but i did watch a lot of television so that seemed to kind of work out for what we wanted to discuss and i think we wanted to talk about shows that we like our series you know our go-to series both ones that um may have returned in 2020 with new seasons or yep. ones that were brand new in 2020. I know there were a few that we have. Um, might as well just get it out of the way to start with. I'm going to turn things over to Millerman because obviously if you've ever listened to anything that's involved him on any podcasts in any form, you know where this is going. So let's go to the Ted Lasso moment here with, uh, <laughs> with my good buddy and fellow Ted Lasso fan because as much as I'm mocking him for it, I also enjoy that show. Let's let's just start off because that's one of the overlaps that we have. I think. All right. Well, I, there's no question when I talk about when I talk about my favorite show of all time, I end up saying The West Wing. Always, I always say The West Wing because it is The West Wing is my favorite show of all time, and that will get a an, an honorable mention later. But I have to start now saying that The West Wing is my favorite show of all time, and I also have a favorite comedy of all time, and it's Ted Lasso. And we're only in season one. So it's, one season and it skyrockets to your favorite comedy Bob, of all time. I have watched it. I have watched it six times now. I don't <laughs> think Jason Sudeikis has seen Ted Lasso six times. <laughs> I can't stop. And you know what? I'll watch it again here soon. I know I will. I know I will. I'll watch it now, again soon. I know the members of your household certainly had to have enjoyed Ted Lasso on the first watch and maybe even on the second watch, but are they with you on wanting to get into sixth and seventh and eighth watches? Yeah. My wife has, has fully backed this. I think she's watched it three times. My kid has watched it a couple of times and it's just become a household thing. And there are sayings that we have. I have a coffee mug that references the show. It's Danny Rojas, Danny, Danny Rojas. Football, Football is life. Danny Rojas, Rojas, Danny Rojas, Rojas. Hey, hello, coaches. Thank yes. you for the opportunity. You are a spirited fella, Danny. 
Is going out there and get the striking spot for us, okay? Yes. Just like batting Guadalajara, you say it, I do it, coach. Football is life. <laughs> and and I have that, and no telling what I might get for Christmas. It's still a few days away, so yeah. I mean, we've got that, and yes. There was a tweet. It was Brett Goldstein, who is Roy Kent, also one of the writers on the show. He tweeted these little kids that were doing the the Roy Kent chant. He's here. He's there. He's every fucking where. And it's these two <laughs> little kids. They're seven, eight years old, whatever. I don't know. They're they're British and they're jumping on a bed and they're yelling that song. And he tweeted it out. And I tagged Melanie in it. And then Melanie mentioned that that's her favorite song and Brett Goldstein liked it. So big shout out to Brett Goldstein. You know, you and I both really love that show. It's just absolutely fantastic. And it's on Apple Plus, which, you know, there's some other shows on there that, uh, did you watch the morning show? I have it as one of the ones that I want to see, but I have not watched it yet. And they're running some really good commercials right now. I will say that. I watch a lot of the the football games and stuff, and I don't usually watch a lot of commercials, but I have seen a couple of these Apple commercials, and they're really pretty good. They're they're driving some interest in some of these shows. Yeah, definitely. And I, you know, that was the first, that was kind of their flagship show. And it was Steve Carell, Jennifer Aniston, Reese Witherspoon, you know, lots of star power, tons of star power. My wife and I watched it and it was, you know, kind of a binge thing. Like, Hey, let's, it, it, it was good. I, for me, it's kind of the ultimate, you know, B like grade I would give, you know, okay. like worth seeing, enjoyed it. I'll watch season two, but you know, it's not perfect. It didn't set the world on fire. I mean, it's good, not great, but um, you know, a lot of it, I don't know if it's verbatim based on the whole Matt Lauer, me too thing, but it's definitely heavily influenced by that with Steve Carell, obviously being the fake Matt Lauer in this scenario. So uh, drew a lot from the current events that were happening at the time. Yeah. Yeah, but it was it was worth seeing. But the reason I wanted to stay on Apple Plus, because in addition to Ted Lasso, which I love, there's another show, another comedy on there that um, to me is probably very close to being as good as Ted Lasso. Now you're obviously not going to think so because I'm already it's blown your away. Favorite show, favorite, and you're already overselling this. I feel yes, bad yes, for I know. everyone. It's already you're already just going to hate it no matter what. But yeah. um, it was one of those that I I just kind of watched on a whim. Uh, because I was familiar with the main star of it because it's uh, Rob McElhaney who plays Mac on It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Are you familiar with that show, Millerman? I am. This show is called Mythic Quest Raven's Banquet, which is an unwieldy title and just in and of itself seems a little bit like, uh, you know, I'm not really sure if that's something I'd want to see, but the best way I can describe it to you is it's like The Office but at a place that creates video games. I certainly saw the the commercials when Ted Lasso was on. It would come on. And I kind of, I'll, I'll admit I was kind of intrigued by it, but I didn't, I haven't watched it yet. So it's, tell me a little bit more. It's been a long time since I saw something that exceeded my expectations by that much. Like I went in it going, okay, you know, I may get a laugh or two here or there. Rob, you know, McElhaney, you know, he's good as, as Mac and, there's a couple other people in there. Um, Do you ever watch Community? Yeah. You know, Abed? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's in it. Okay. F. Murray Abraham, which again, I don't know what why. What did he ever do to you? Him. So there's there's some names in it, but I'm telling you, man, it was, this was an A, this was definitely an A show in my book. Hilarious, just 
it was just really the characters, the acting, everything was hilarious to me. I just, and it, you don't necessarily have to be like a video game person to get into it and to follow it. Give it a shot if you haven't watched it yet. I, I don't, it doesn't seem like one of those things that has caught on, I guess, to the extent that Ted Lasso rightly has. Uh, and and the, the thing that honestly is most impressive to me about uh, Mythic Quest Raven's Banquet. And the reason they have that name is Mythic Quest was the original game and Raven's Banquet is like the sequel to the original game. So this, the whole premise of the first season is they're trying to top the original release of their game with this new version of it. So there's all the pressure involved with that and everything. But where I'm going with this, and I probably should have got there five minutes ago, is there they did a special quarantine episode, you know, well into the pandemic. I'm trying, I'm looking it up as I'm talking to try to pinpoint exactly when that was what date. Oh, it was May. It was the it was late May. So it was a few months into the pandemic. They did this quarantine episode. And of anything I've seen that was done, like, you know, there were certain, I think Parks and Rec, which is a great show. They did a reunion special. And what, you know, there was, there was kind of a rash of these at, in the early summer where shows tried to, you know, do a one-off or do something. And they were, it was always based around kind of the zoom premise. And, and so this is the best by far of that type of show. And they really managed to capture what was going on. And, and there's, there, you just, if you don't even watch the rest of the series, but just saw that episode, you'd be, I think you'd be pretty impressed. Okay. I'll take yeah, a look yeah. at it. Like I said, I saw the, I saw those commercials and I was like, all right, that seems like it's got, it's got something, but I just, I haven't gone back and watched it yet. Yeah. So again, don't go into it thinking it's going to be as good as Ted Lasso from your perspective, obviously, but just uh, compare it. Think of it on just kind of garden variety. Listen, when I started Ted Lasso, I had zero expectations. None. I didn't think I was going to like it. I sat down to watch it on a lark and five minutes into it, I'm in. So I'm hoping that this one has the same type of connection with me. So Ted Lasso, obviously you're, I know you said you didn't rank your shows, but that far and wide was your favorite show of the year. Yes. Yes. Head and shoulders above, above everything that I watched. And there was a couple of things that we're going to talk about that I truly, truly love. But for some reason, again, Ted Lasso is just head and shoulders above it. I think if I was going to pick a favorite show, I'd be really hard pressed to choose between two. And they're both shows that were returning that this was, they were not new in 2020. Uh, one of them, it was season two and the other one, gosh, I think it was season six, maybe. Well, anyway, uh, I know for sure you watch Better Call Saul. I did. Um, the, the problem with this is so earlier in the pandemic, Melanie and I watched Breaking Bad because I had never finished Breaking Bad. Turns out I had watched the first two seasons of Breaking Bad and then just stopped. I don't remember what happened in my life or what was going on, but I had stopped. It was one of her favorite shows, so we we sat down and, and just watched it again from the beginning. So we watched all of Breaking Bad. Great show, of course, obviously. Got to the end, watched the movie. Yeah, El Camino. Pretty good little movie. It was. Pretty good little wrap-up. It was it okay. Was, I liked it. I was coming off of it. Not anywhere near as good as the series, but it was. No, no, but I was coming off of the of the finale, and we watched the movie right after it, and so it was also fresh on our head, and it, it all seemed to work for me. So I didn't have a problem with that. And then I've heard, I've heard a lot of people... Either for whatever reason, either people that love Breaking Bad, they either love Saul and think it's better than Breaking Bad, 
or they hate it and they don't watch it. I don't know that I've ever heard of one person that hated Better Call Saul. And if I found them, I don't think I could take anything they said seriously from that moment forward because they're many Agree. I mean, uh, from the from the opening moments, and and obviously, I, okay. So so full disclaimer: I have not seen the season that you're referring to, the most recent season. Oh my god! I haven't seen it because it's not out on Netflix yet. Oh, and yes, so yeah. and and I think it doesn't come out on Netflix until February. So Ooh. I haven't seen the one that you've just seen. So the oh. last thing that I've seen is he just became Saul Goodman. Like that's Man. it. Like that's how it ended for me. So everything that you you wanted to discuss here i can't discuss you've got to get i don't know if there's dvds or something but you got to see it man i mean i, I mean I'm, I'm waiting i'm just waiting for it to come out on, on netflix and and frankly i looked and i could buy them all on apple but they're like three bucks a pop and i almost should buy those for you for christmas dude i mean <laughs> seriously that it's just yeah we can't talk about any of the plot specifics but suffice it to say it is the best season oh wow i mean it I honestly think Better Call Saul, and there's another show I'm going to talk about later, that it just gets better. The longer it goes, the better it gets. It's hard for me to say it's better than Breaking Bad just because I kind of feel like Breaking Bad's the best show ever or close to it. But man, it's not far behind. It is not far behind at all. See, I'll really good then i have a i have a difference of opinion here because while i really liked breaking bad don't get me wrong i don't feel like it's one of the best shows of all time i think it's a really good show but i put saul above it i really really like saul and i like it better than i do breaking bad and i think it has most to do with saul and his relationship and kim wexler and just and yeah i love it i love that that dynamic and she's so great yeah. that character is great the actress is great the yep. fact that not only has she never won an emmy for that role she's never been nominated yeah for an emmy for that role like what the and i'm gonna say it fuck like Whoa. dude that is the most ridiculous thing it's just she beautiful and she fine but she fine? she's a really good actress and that role is awesome and season six is her showcase. What kind of operation are you running anyway? Tell me. Because I think I know why you sent him to do this job. It's obvious. You have no one else you can trust. Right? So you sent some lawyer through the desert with your, with your seven million bucks? That I, No offense, but you need to get your house in order. Oh, really? Yeah, really. If you don't trust your men with your money, you have bigger problems than if you trust Saul Goodman. I'm looking forward to it. I really am. I mean, I've yeah. I've, I've read some things and I've heard that those same type of things. Like Pony it's a, it's three, a really good bucks, you know. man. Pony it up. Just <laughs> it's three per episode, so it's 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 more than Still, that. It's, it's, it's so it's worth per, it. Uh, it's 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 it'll be free in two months. So I just I've got to oh, I've got to maintain until then. It. But it's it's fantastic. It really is. Um, that's one of my favorite shows of the year. But the other one, and this is a comedy. Uh, 
It's on FX season two, what we do in the shadows. It is okay. Now. Okay. Millerman. So you watch this. No, 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 no. Okay. Again, one of the things that I want to watch, but one of the critics that I, I really enjoy drew McWeeny. He's got that at the top of his list for 2020. Uh, he's got that number one and Ted Lasso number two. And I was blown away by that. Cause obviously I really love me some Ted Lasso as I've got to see what this, what this is about. I mean, I know what it's about. I've seen it and I've got it saved on my, on my Hulu to go back and watch it, but I I haven't watched it yet. Yeah, that needs to be priority number one, man. If you've got it where you can watch it. Now, season two, I mean, season one is very good. Season one is solid. It'll suck you in. Season two is spectacular. It's it's like light years better than season one. And season one's really good. But season two is season two is like I'm I'm having a hard time thinking of many seasons of comedies that were better than that. That was just wow. that good. And there's okay. one episode in particular that is just like an all-time amazing comedy episode. After all that nonsense on Staten Island, I cut loose to Pennsylvania because it sounded like Transylvania. We all know that sounds cool. I infiltrated the township posing as your average American Yankee Doodle Dandy, and I took over Lucky Brew's Bar and Grill. The previous owner, he mysteriously disappeared because I killed him. Drinks on the house! And I've not looked back since. I now go by the name of Detona, Jackie Detona. And I'll tell you something, Jackie Detona's life it ain't so bad. No one here knows I'm a vampire, apart from the people I've drained and killed. But they're dead now, so that problem's pretty much solved itself. It's it's one of the few things that my wife started watching it with me and didn't hate it. Most of the things I like that she hates. Like yeah, she do yeah. doesn't do any of the animated stuff. She doesn't like The Simpsons or Bob's Burgers or King of the Hill or any of that stuff. She, you know, there's, but some of the, you know, that's why we got, there's a lot of docs because documentaries are one of the few things that we kind of both enjoy. She does like Better Call Saul. And this is one that she, what we do in the shadows is one that she, uh, she's on board with. So well, I want to watch it and maybe I can get Melanie to watch it. So, yeah, I mean, I think you might laugh more. I mean, you're not going to say you like it better than Ted Lasso, but if you were to honestly have somebody record you while you're watching that well, versus watching Ted Lasso and count how many times you laugh, they will probably count more laughs on what we do. Well, in the shadows. First off, first off, I laugh so much and six six viewings in and i probably laugh more now than i did in the beginning because <laughs> one i know what's coming and two i find something funnier every time or i'll start to watch people in the background so you know, I, I i love it but when you talk about when you talk about comedies and one that was referred to me by you and some of our other friends letter kenny and I, so i sat down and no kidding, two minutes into the first episode, I am cackling. I am <laughs> laughing so hard. And Melanie looks over at me and she goes, this is just not funny. And I was like, you're insane. And I rewound <laughs> it and watched it again and still laugh. If you don't remember the opening scene of the first episode, it is where the two hockey guys drive up. And Jonesy they, and they, Riley. Jonesy and Riley. And they, they want to have a fight with Wayne who doesn't fight anymore. And they start taking <laughs> off their shirt. And just the comedy of Wayne and Daryl just cutting them down. Can't believe your sister's still dating these nutsacks. Nice onesie. Does it come in men's? Oh, I think you come in men enough for all of us. I think you better come in my... I mean, 
You better come up. I think you better come say that to his face, you fucking hicks. Nice execution. You're doing terrific. Hey, I heard about your breakup, buddy. She's a sweetie for what, uh, five years, right? Oh, uh, you're a uh, high school sweetie, right? What's it to you? Heard she cheated on you, buddy. That's a real kick in the knackers, bro. Just a real ouchie, bro. It's too bad that she taught you not to fight anymore, buddy. Because that's a fight on sight for you and her new guy, buddy. Fourth life for life, bro. Maybe if you'd ever been in a real fight, you might not be so keen for another. What'd you say? You heard me. You looking for a Tilly, buddy? Let's have a Donnie Brook! Pump the brakes. You take your shirt off, but leave your sunglasses on. What sort of backwards fucking pageantry is that? You gonna fight with those shades or play PokerStars.com? Go time! Go time! Look at that fucking treasure trail. What's up with your fucking body hair, big shoots? You look like a 12-year-old Dutch girl. Your aesthetician quaff that for you? You can kiss my aesthetician. You guys do CrossFit? You can cross fuck off. Cross fart. How many times you pulled your horn today, bud? What? Oh, she's bashful. Well, come on, kitten. I won't tell anyone. Ballpark six to eight, you're a fucking animal. Play a little five on one. Hit the kitchen, mix a batch. Feed the ducks. Distribute some free literature. Go time! Fucking shut him! Riley, Jonesy, put your fucking shirts on and get out of here. This, this isn't, isn't over! Jenks, you owe me a Coke. I just laughed and, so and hard. And it was the weird, it was the weird dynamic at the time that they were both dating Wayne's sister. And so I'm watching it and, and I start just laughing and I, and, and I have to watch it with, I have to watch it with the closed captioning on because it goes by so fast and it's Canadian and, but I love the accent and, but just watching it is so funny. Melanie hates it. She won't watch it. She absolutely hates it. And it's too much guy humor which it is. There's an entire episode <laughs> based around farts. Don't get me wrong. I mean, it's... Oh, yeah. Fart book. Uh, yeah, <laughs> fart book. Yeah, fart book. And, and it's so great. And But I love it. And I am now... I just finished uh, season four. Oh, I you're not all the way caught a, up yet? I'm not all the way caught up. I promised Arnell... The season starts in a week. I'm, I'm off the next few days. I promised Arnell that I would be caught up. There's only like seven episodes per season. So I've, I've got like, I mean, I've definitely got time to, to make it happen. But man, is it funny for, for my for my 20 minutes, 22 minutes to 30 minutes of time, depending on how much it, per episode. I laugh a lot for sure. Great, because there's so many characters in that little town and they incorporate and integrate all these recurring bits and it builds over time. So the further you get into it, the more yeah. inside type jokes there are. It's, it's hilarious. I love it. To be fair. I was, for a long time, Gary was trying to get me on board and I'm like, what is this letter? Can it's a stupid name. I didn't, you know, I thought the name was stupid. I never heard anybody on there. Yeah. So I, I, for the longest time, I wouldn't, I wouldn't give it the time of day. And then once I started watching it, I'm like, Oh my God, this is the best thing ever. Um, they actually did a tour or they were going to come through. Uh, we went on to buy tickets and it was already sold out. So they, they like do a lot like a live, I don't know if it's yeah. like a reading or whatever, but they, all the cast. I would go, I saw that. So I started looking at it, some stuff yesterday and I didn't realize that the guy who plays the preacher is the director of every episode. And he's, he, he's the co-creator. Co-creator. Yeah. What, and directed and that every episode. That's, I think that's what immediately grabbed me was for those who listen to us that are fans of the ticket yeah this character is literally the generic youth minister you're naked as a jaber wayne it's humid it's the humidity y'all might want to think about doing the same thing just pop your pants right off that way no one gets sticky no it's uncanny and obviously he doesn't know gordo and i'm i doubt gordo has ever seen anything to do with letter kenny but it's just funny that that archetype is so ingrained that the <laughs> 
<laughs> I mean, yeah. the voice, yeah. everything. Man, it took me like forever to find this place. I couldn't really remember where it was, and it's not on the Googles. And <laughs> and I, I had to get one of those old book of maps. You know, do y'all remember like maps goes? <laughs> It's so perfect. And yeah, he's he's the director of every episode and that that blew me away. So in this case, yeah, I Gary was the one who really who really said, "All right, you know, he he watched Ted Lasso on my recommendation and he said I had to watch Letterkenny." So Gary, shout out to you. Letterkenny, you were right and I'm I'm on board for sure. Yeah, it's uh it's an amazing show, but I I can understand why the ladies may not be as on board. It's yeah. <laughs> It's, it's a lot of guy humor for sure. It is, for but sure. the best possible kind. But if you want a show, again, you want to go to a comedy and you want a show that might appeal more towards the ladies. So let's talk about another show that that wrapped up this year and got the most awards that you could possibly get. It's the most awarded show this year, and that is Shit's Creek. Yes. And this is a very hard sell because it was a slow build. And Gary, who we just mentioned, he's been trying to fight through season one and he, and I'm not, and I think you might've had the same experience. It's, it's just, it really starts to take off in season two and three. Yeah. You know, you, you have to kind of fight through They're They're getting their sea legs and they're just not everybody. They haven't really kind of found everybody's right um, character and everything quite yet. Well, I know, I, I mean, I, you recommended it and I, I started reading online and, and so many people that I know loved it. And basically every, every, the consensus is you have to get through season one. And I will admit Melanie and I started it and I watched that first episode and I looked over at her and I said, I don't know that I can do this. I know that it's supposed to be great near the end and that you're supposed to love these people, but I don't, this sucks. And I don't want to watch this. I <laughs> slogged through it and we would sit there and I, I'm not certain. I'm not certain that I laughed the entire first season, but I watched it because, because I was basically told to, I was basically told this is going to get good and it's going to pay off. And I admit it. I absolutely love it. I absolutely love it. By the, by the time that it ends, I absolutely loved that family and I didn't, didn't want it to go. It's, it's a lot of it is a very much an emotional connection. I mean, it's funny, but it's, it's, I think what makes it so good in those latter seasons is the, the emotional aspect of it. You're right. Just, just like what I said, I, I, I did not expect to love those characters as much as I did, just like everybody said that I would. And it's, it's such, it took a long time to get there. I mean, the, the funny part is, is that there was only 10 or 12 episodes in the first season. There's only 10 or 12 episodes each season and they're only like 20, 22 minutes. So it doesn't take long to get through it. Although it feels like forever. I'm going to admit it right up front. That first season feels like forever to get through. But once you do, for some reason, it just all starts to click and man, it is fantastic. And I think one of the best things to listen to and you don't get it at first and i think i probably should go back and watch that first season to see if i appreciate it more now but Catherine o'hara who plays the mom her accent and the way she says words <laughs> is priceless oh my 
Alexis, now is not the time for pettifogging. After a glut of Unasinus ideas put forth today, the room is suddenly bombulating with anticipation. Can we feel that? It doesn't matter what words they are. She puts a spin on it and it's fantastic. But the best thing she ever says is the baby crows. I don't know why, but <laughs> Melanie and I will still go, oh, the baby crows. And it's just funny. It j You just have to see it. Yeah, the, the pronunciation. I mean, she really is the MVP of the series. Um, the pronunciation of words and also just some of the words that she uses. Yeah, like she goes sure. deep into the <laughs> thesaurus with yeah. some of the words. But yeah, I mean, she's great. Eugene Levy's great. The kids are great. The only thing that's weird about that show to me, even all the way through the end is like one of my all-time comedy heroes going back to like the 80s was Chris Elliott, like on the old Letterman show. Yeah. I used to love all the bits he used to do on there. And he's done some things since then I thought were really funny, but he just, he almost single-handedly torpedoed that first season. And he never really gets all that much more palatable <laughs> throughout the course well, of the series. And I'm like, I know why they made his character that way, but it's like, I feel like he's capable of injecting more comedy into something than he did in this series. For Chris Elliott, my my problem is you you mentioned that you you really found him funny, particularly back in the Letterman days and things like that. And the problem for me is, and one of the things that again I had to slog through, I'm not a Chris Elliott fan. I don't find him funny in anything. He's Nothing not for everyone. Cabin Boy, He's not for everyone. Groundhog Day. Listen, I don't find him funny in anything. And you're right. He do, he almost made me not watch the show because I feel like he's so bad. And but I, but I will admit though, for, as further and further along you get into seasons three, four, five, six, whatever, I'm just like, okay, when he shows up, I understand what he brings to the show. I didn't at first. And because I, I didn't, I don't appreciate him. It, it almost broke it off for me. I think where they really find a solid fit for him in the series is when they partner him up with Eugene Levy and Stevie as kind of the three-headed monster running the hotel and everything. They start yeah. When they start working kind of together and he's not just the obnoxious mayor character that barges in and does obnoxious stuff i think that's when he really starts yeah, to fit a little bit yeah. better well he he's there and and then obviously stevie like you mentioned she's fantastic uh yeah they really Emily Hampshire, at first she, at first she was fantastic. kind of a non-factor and then they just kind of figured out you know they really built off her, her and david kind of playing off each other and and it it really yeah she cracks me up man she's got a lot of a lot of good stick well it it definitely just watching that final season and then i don't know if you watched the documentary of the making of or the making of that final season did you watch that yet yeah yeah that was the air and i think right before the last episode yeah there's a lot of um obviously dan levy who is david rose on the show is uh, gay in real life he's gay i mean he's gay excuse me he's blind and made his character gay and they end up talking about that and and you see all of these you see all of these characters go to the new york gay gay pride parade and just how they were were received and it was so amazing and it was just a really cool thing to see frankly yeah they said they really made a, a very concerted effort not to play off of the stereotype of kind of the small town you know small-minded attitudes toward you know, gays and, and, you know, any, anyone who's different normally in a show like this, 
that would be be kind of a punchline. And his his yeah. s- um, sexual orientation was never really a punchline, other than just kind of his own personal idiosyncrasies and how they kind of manifested. But yeah, there was never there were never any jokes at the expense of the fact that he was gay. You know what I mean? It was yeah, that, no, it was just accepted, said. and it was played for jokes in the right way at the right times, and and never in a way that that was demeaning. And that was, that was really very, very cool to see. Yeah. So thumbs up to Shit's Creek. Uh, it ended You just very have to strong. get through that first season. Oh yeah, yeah it did. It, it absolutely ended very strong. You just have to make it through the first season. I can't tell you enough. I cannot stress enough. If you've never seen it, I promise you it gets better. You just have to make it through. So now I it's earlier, a struggle. Speaking of shows that get better as they go, you know, talked a little bit about how that was the case with, uh, what we do in the shadows, how season two is much better than season one. And here with Shit's Creek, you've got one that really just was absolutely peaking at the end, right? So there's another show I really like that had season two. It's on HBO. It's called Succession. Oh, yeah. yeah. So my statement on Succession is it's the only show that I can think of that literally every episode is better than the one that came before it to where like if, if you start yeah. watching it like the next episode's better and then the one after that's better i, I just feel like it's just the it's just like this upward slope of quality yeah i i'm a big fan of succession for sure i i like similar in that vein is billions where it's yes. you know rich people rich dysfunctional people i love both those shows so yeah, and they're, they're similar, but they're different. Uh, succession, they succession is fine dining. Billions is junk food, but yeah. it's delicious. Yeah, it's delicious junk food. Yeah, it is. I mean, it is. It is. <laughs> yes, both those shows are outstanding. But I mean, Succession is just. I mean, the writing is unbelievable. The plots are so intricate, and the acting is unbelievable. Well, it takes a turn and you just don't know where it's going. Like a lot of times you, you're you going to watch a show and you're thinking it's predictable. This does a turn and I'm like, wait, what? And it's, and it's not, it's not really suspenseful, but it is dramatic for sure. Very dramatic. It supposedly is at least, you know, it's, a, it's an amalgamation of different media empire type families or huge business families, but the Murdoch's obviously I would think are kind of the primary yeah. drawing for inspiration. I have to be a big player for writing new, new scripts around that for sure. Now, I don't know what you're favorite episodes or favorite moments of succession are millerman but if i were to say the phrase bore on the floor which one of you boys did it tom yes sit on the floor it's fun seriously yeah it's a game bore on the floor i really i feel get down bore on the floor Bore on the floor. Kendall, ring the troops. Bore on the floor. Bore on the floor. Get down. Greg, on the floor, Bore. Bore on the floor. Come on, Frank. Bore on the floor. Frank. Why am I in How the fuck would I know, Greg? You think I have a wrestling explanation for this? Frank. Bore on the floor. Feed the piggies, guest of honor. That's it. Bore on the floor. Bore on the floor. Oink for your sausages, piggies. Oink for your sausages, Piggy. Oink, oink. Oh, Jesus Christ. Oink for your sausages. Tom, oink. 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 No, no. No half-hearted oink. I want full-hearted oink. Oink, 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 oink. On the count of three, the last Piggy to eat a sausage is the mole. 
That doesn't seem like a very good system. Who spoke to Pencil? Hey! Crawl in a circle and close your eyes. Greg Oink! <laughs> For me, it's either that or it's when the son does the rap at the dad's yeah. birthday party. Yeah, the birthday party. My boy Squiggle cooked up this beat for me. Check it. Born on the North Bank, king of the East Side. 50 years strong, now he's rolling in a sick rod. Handmade suits, raking in loot. Five-star general, y'all best salute. Yo, L to the OG. Dude, be the OG. And he playing. Playing like a pro, see. L to the OG. Do be the OGA and he playing. Playing like a pro, make some noise. A1 ratings, 80k wine. Never gonna stop, baby. Fuck father time, bro. Don't get it twisted, I've been through hell. But since I stand dad, I'm alive and well. Shaper of views, creator of news. Father of many paid all his dues. So don't try to run your mouth at the king. Just pucker up, bitch, and go kiss the ring. No, uh, your your bore on the floor reference there is pretty great. And that is, that is listen, for people who, again, who have not watched it and are going to join in, that's going to be in late in season two. But just know that you're waiting for bore on the floor. It's just the stuff. It's like the dad clearly, you know, he's so manipulative and he knows exactly what he's doing. And this, the way he pulls strings and just pushes buttons. Yeah. And I mean, there's, there's times where you think he's out of it, that there, that his character is about to be gone. And then he comes back strong and you don't know really what's happening. And it just, it plays really well. It plays really well. And it's just the way these kids compete for his love slash approval, but at the same time, they're constantly stabbing each other in the back to, yeah. to be the, main air and just it's just it's intense oh i don't want it but i'll take it but i don't want it but i'll (laughs) i'll I'll take it if it's given to me but i don't want to i don't want to pursue it but it's really his but maybe it's yours yeah i mean this whole game of who who is going to be the person to take over is yeah it's fascinating I kind of feel like Succession's a little bit more realistic than Billions, but Billions is a little cartoony. But it, I bet I, I mean, in terms of some of the things that happen on that show, it's like I don't know that that would ever actually happen in real life. For sure, but for sure. It's still, it's or, or maybe it does because it's so because it's so rarefied air that we're never going to know that maybe it's just a a, a play against that. And man, it it is so, but it is so funny at times. There's literally no on billions outside of maybe Mafi who has even the slightest shred of human decency to <laughs> yeah no you're they're right all just you're the right. worst most yeah, horrible they, they are they are and yet and yet you care for them and yes. and so you know Brian Koppelman and his and his gang David Levine and, and guys they they've done a, an amazing job of giving you characters that you love to hate and hate to love but you do you absolutely do and and you know are you what side are you on you know it doesn't there's there's really two sides to be on and and but then it comes together and then it gets torn apart and you hate it because you want them to be together uh, it's just yeah like, I like there's it. there's I like nobody it. worse unlike any show than Chuck's dad. He's like the worst human yeah. being yeah. ever. I liked him. And I really did try to love him. Try harder. 
Dad. You give a marriage seven years before you even entertain the notion of a divorce. Dad. From the day the Dorsey brothers showed that Presley boy swiveling his hips, there's been a slow but steady erosion of the family. Well, here is how you keep one going. You find a group of friends better than you. Find one worse. Bitch about them to each other. And then when you're all bitched out, run 10 miles a day. Take your birth control pills and flush them. And make that kid your project together. And if Ira doesn't know how to fuck you, you teach him. Okay. I'm not done. One more thing. Give yourself the lime test. You stick your finger in lime juice and put it up inside, and if it stings, get yourself cleaned out. Do not bring the clap home to your husband. It's uncivil. It's so entertaining to find out what he's going to do and how he's going to do it. And he always does it with kind of a twinkle in his eye. And, yeah, you know, yeah. he's just, that guy is so insane. It's just, and he's I just got love the eyebrows seeing, to pull it off too. Yes. Yeah. The eyebrows. It's just, I love that show. That show is awesome. I can't Williams wait is a for good another show. season of that. I mean, they were halfway through. They actually, the last episode they did, they, they made a Corona reference in it. Like that's how far along they were in the filming is they hadn't cut it. They cut it off right when uh, the pandemic hit. Yeah. They were halfway through the season. And, and so now we're just waiting for that finish of that. So who knows when that's going to come back. The pandemic has really, really thrown a kink into a, into a lot of shows and, and made it more difficult for everybody. I think one of the things, there are a couple of things that I, that I found, you know, streaming services, um, we talk about HBO Max and some people don't understand what it is. Is it HBO? Is it, is it HBO Go? Is it something else? Whatever. It's, it's its own service. It's HBO Max. And it's got, it's got now coming in 2021, it's going to have all the slate of the Warner Brothers movies. And so yep. that's intriguing. It's, it's caused a huge, huge uproar within the industry. Yeah, the so much passion. Are not a fan. Not a fan. The directors, the writers, the people that are not going to get their money are, are, are real, really not happy. But a couple of things that HBO Max has put out that I really recommend. I mentioned earlier that The West Wing is my favorite show of all time. And it is. I've watched that series four or five times, and there are 160 episodes. And this is an hour-long show. So, I mean, I love it. It's I love politics and the world that that inhabits and, and was created by Aaron Sorkin. I love it. I can't speak highly enough of it. Well, one of the things that they did right before the election was they put out a special one-off called when we all vote the west wing and it was a staged production a play of one of the season three episodes called hartsfield landing which takes place during an, an election night and it just was so good did you happen to see this did you ever watch I, the west wing or any of I, this? I only saw the west wing here and there I, i've never gone through and, and seen the whole thing but i i know uh, our friend Jesse, it's also, I think, his favorite show of all time or one of them. Um, and, you know, and obviously Sorkin, the writing is, is genius. What I know about this um, special you're talking about is, um, was it John Spencer who passed away? That, that character is correct. Star? And they today, the day him. that we're doing this today was, would be his would be his birthday. Today oh. is his birthday. Well, yeah. you are a West Wing super fan. Yep. So yep. the character that he played on the show, they they recast 
with uh, the guy from This Is Us, what Sterling K. Brown. Sterling right? K. Brown, yes, Which, yes. Who uh, doesn't bear a close resemblance? No, much no, younger. I would say much, much younger. younger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, taller. Yeah, yeah. What else would you say? I mean, there, okay. there are, there are not um, a lot there's of. Some, there's some dissimilarity they're both there. Men. Yeah, they're both yeah. men, and that's well. Kind I, of I'll put it this way. So. So Aaron Sorkin, a few years ago, you know, he gets asked all the time, you know, would you ever write it again? Would you ever reboot it? Would you ever do anything like that? And a few years back, I think back in 2017, he sent out a tweet just basically when somebody asked him that that question just randomly and he finally, you know, uh, said something. He didn't have a he didn't have a Twitter account. He asked his buddy, Josh Molina, who is also on the later later seasons of of the West Wing to tweet this response. And he basically said that he had an idea that if he ever, if he ever did anything else in the West wing world, that he would want to make a, make a new series, but he would have Sterling K Brown as the president. And that's kind of how this Genesis started. And so when they decided that they wanted to do this one-off production and it's a staged play, they filmed it at the Orpheum theater in Los Angeles during the middle of COVID, they took obviously all the the COVID protocols and and did everything that they could, and but it's a staged production of this one episode, and they got Sterling K. Brown to take that to take that role, and he just brings a different gravitas to it, and it puts a different spin on that on that character for the show. But it was a really really well done. It has a lot of famous cameos of people just talking like i said it was right before the vote so it was about making sure you knew about voter fraud and the likelihood of that and just things like that so it was really driven towards getting people to vote or participate and it was it was really good from that standpoint it was promoted by a nonpartisan political vote america or something but it's such a good a good episode with all of the people that that participated in it was there a lot of walk and talk there was oddly enough, even, even staged on the, uh, even staged as it was in the theater, they had different, different areas set up to walk and the way they filmed it. And, but the thing is, is that they had all of the original cast back. Obviously John Spencer wasn't, wasn't able to make it. Uh, as Jimmy it were. Smith, they brought Jimmy uh, Smith back. He was not in that episode. Um, but in this, but all of the characters, even some of the, even some of the, the, the reporters who are just one-off characters or, or just um, recurring characters throughout the, throughout the seasons, they had those people back and it would just blew me away. And then the theme song is my favorite theme song of all time. And it's done on the television show via an orchestra, but the guy who wrote it, Snuffy WG Snuffy Walden, who has done theme songs for all of your favorite shows. So many, so many shows, well, he came out on stage and and he's best known for doing all of his work on a guitar. And so he came out and did the theme song with a guitar and then had this backing band and it was amazing.
it was really cool. So now it's funny you mentioned theme songs because that was something I forgot to mention when we were talking about Succession a minute ago, because I don't know what it is about that song, but it took like a hypnotic hold over me <laughs> at a certain point to where I just wanted to hear it all the time. And like, I would, I found it on Spotify and just played it in my car. Like I got so excited, like hearing that and the Simpsons did a parody in their opening credits in one episode with this, with this uh, succession theme song and the, grainy old video of you know following the family it was but just that 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 song i don't know what it is about that theme song i just can't get enough of it I tune it out. I know. I know what you're talking about. How it'll just do be an earworm right in your in your brain. My yeah. wife hates it. She just like oh, I cannot stand this. Right. Yeah. No. I'm with her. I have to skip through it. I no, have to skip through it. It just. I. It's earwormed me into oblivion, but in a good way. <laughs> Sorry for the sidebar there. But that's uh, all right. Well, I was talking about so HBO Max doing that West Wing special was very cool. But the other special that I watched was. A Fresh Prince of Bel Air reunion. Did you watch this at all? I Fresh Prince came out after I wasn't really paying much attention to sitcoms on network TV at that point, and I just it was not in my wheelhouse. I know there was the big controversy with he had the falling out with the aunt or whoever, you know. Right. But uh, well, no, I just uh, the only know, I thing was... I really there's two things I think of when I think of Fresh Prince. I think of the Carlton dance. Yes. And I think of the episode or the scene where he's, why doesn't my dad love me? Die with him! How come he don't want me, man? Yeah. I, if you ask me, I think of two things. I think of the theme song and the Carlton dance. And that's it. Like, I, 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 I watched it. I'm pretty sure I watched every episode. I was a, I was a big fan of the show. But I'll say it this way. I, I don't have the love for it that I think it still has within the community, within the the african-american or black community that still watches that show but watching this reunion and and even you saying that you're not a fan of the show let me tell you i'm going to recommend that you go back and watch this because it's really really good it's really well done and what you referenced where the the actress who played his aunt aunt viv after a couple of seasons they replaced her there obviously there was no mention of that on the show because it was the same character but they replaced her there was real world issues that happened the woman who played the first Aunt Viv her and Will Smith had not talked in 22 years they had not seen each other they had not spoken in 22 years and they filmed their meeting again for the first time and them talking through their issues and it was powerful and, and Will Smith talks about how he, he was a young kid and he felt threatened and he didn't know how to handle it. And looking back on it now, he regrets it and wishes that he had done things differently and, and wanted to be a better man, et cetera. And I can't recommend it enough it, just for that alone, really. Yeah. I mean, it, I, I remember reading about them doing that and it sounds like it was pretty cathartic. Yeah, it, it, it 
I mean, the, the tears that they both shed and, and just like you just said, the, the, the cathartic nature of it, I think it, it really was very cool. And then the, the, the man who uh, had played his uncle has, has passed away and the cast remembering him and, and just talking about him and how he helped them. It was, it was so cool. Like you don't have to be a fan of the show to appreciate the reunion for sure. I would, I would really recommend going back and watching it. It was really, really a good, a good piece of television. So let me ask you, Millerman, are you a fan of anything on Disney plus, namely the star Wars series, the Mandalorian. Abso-freaking-lutely. And no spoilers, but man, this past last episode, this season finale was wow. Yes, yes. There's a lot of questions about where they're going to go on season three, especially did you uh, happen to see the post-credit uh, scene? I did see that, and I did see what they called it, and I've, I've read some speculation and now I'm more confused than more confused than ever, frankly. Yeah, because so, it's either is that going to be a spinoff or is that going to be season three? Right, exactly. Kind of so we'll we'll go ahead and spoiler alert for anybody who hasn't paid attention well, no, or hasn't seen it. To, we don't have to spoil it, but let's just say there's a very big blow the lid off cameo in the final episode. That part is true. What we're referring to, though, on this this potential season three, well, we know that Boba Fett has been in this season, and the end credit indicates that either there's going to be a Boba Fett spinoff, which has been talked about, or they're going to take this in this show, The Mandalorian, in a different direction, and season three is potentially going to follow Boba Fett and not follow the person we've come to know as The Mandalorian or Baby Yoda or Grogu or whatever you want to call him, but I'm going to call him Baby Yoda and we'll go from there. Yep. It was, it's very, it's a really great show because it's highly entertaining. It's really the production and everything is just as good, if not better than some of the movies in the series. I mean, it's, it, it's, it's not just like a TV show. It's like you're watching a multi-part movie. I mean, it's that well done. I, I like it so much better than I liked basically any of the most recent movies uh, that not this. Actually, I enjoyed the standalone movies. I enjoyed Rogue One. I enjoyed the Han Solo movie, but I didn't I didn't enjoy the the threequels or whatever they're called. So I thought the first one was really, really good. I the one the one where they introduce Ray and, yeah. and I thought that was excellent. The, the second and the third ones were kind of, eh, they were definitely better than the episode one, two, and three from the early aughts or the two, 99, 2000, that era. Sure, sure. But yeah, but the, to me, the man, you're right. If, if The Mandalorian was a movie, it would be like top three in the entire series. Of yeah, films. it's really good. And, and on a side note, I really loved the first episode this year because it featured Timothy Oliphant as yes. <laughs> and it featured him as a marshal which if no one if no one gets that if you were not watching justified back in the day you were missing out and the fact that he plays the marshal when he played a marshal on justified mwah, it was perfect i loved it the other thing that i love is we mentioned better call Saul earlier 
There is a big bad in Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. And the actor that plays that big bad also plays the big bad in The Mandalorian. Yeah. yeah. Carlo Esposito. That dude, that is his niche, man. He yeah. can do that so well. A great just, bad guy. The, the Moff Gideon, all that is just in the last episode with the dark saber and yeah just so great so great i haven't watched but i have been told i need to watch the clone wars to to really get and understand bo katan and and anosha or i don't know how you say her name the um, rosario dawson character the right? rosario dawson character right and and who also apparently I, is getting a spinoff yeah exactly so i mean I, I think just being told that the clone wars is is so great maybe you know the next episodes aren't supposed to be coming out until next Christmas. So I've got a year to try to catch up potentially, but that's certainly something that, that I need to, to look at. And if you, if you watch the um, end credits, almost every episode has some huge mega big name Hollywood director that did it. Like yeah. they're not yeah. just rolling out C C list guys to direct these. It's like Robert Rodriguez and why got why did Takiki and, yeah. Ron Howard's daughter directed Robert Rodriguez. I mean, there's, there's all these, and John Favreau is like the showrunner basically. Yeah. He created John Favreau it. created it and and runs it. And yeah. And Peyton Reed from yeah, Ant-Man. Uh, Ant-Man and Ant-Man two is the guy that, that directed this season finale and man, it was so good. So and the good. thing that John Favreau is doing really well, and you alluded to it about the clone wars is he's incorporating elements and story and, and canon from every possible version of Star Wars, whether it's the animated stuff like Clone Wars or even some of the novels and the movie, and just it's the entire universe. He's pulling it all together in one source. Yeah, picking and choosing some of the best pieces from it and putting it all together, and it's definitely working. And frankly, I, I thought when it when I first started it, I, I thought because the Mandalorian, the first couple of episodes, I mean, he just doesn't really talk very much and there's not a lot of dialogue and that kind of was off-putting to me, but also just being in that world and seeing those, those landscapes are that are familiar. If you're a child of the seventies or eighties and grew up watching star Wars, just seeing some of those places was really cool, but seeing what they've done this year, they went far, far beyond anything that I thought it would do. It's like you just said, it's, it's incorporated, all of these characters and all of these potential storylines. And I have no idea where season three is going, but I am fully intrigued. And they're talking about the different spinoffs that are coming. And, and Disney plus is making a huge push to, to be the go-to destination for star Wars and Marvel going forward. Well, they really, they hit a home run with the Mandalorian because that gives them so much credibility with all these other, because there's all these Marvel series that they're doing. And like you said, these other Star Wars. So the very first one out the gate they do with the Mandalorian is like an A plus. It's a home run. So that like raises the, the assumption that everybody has like, okay, they're really doing legit stuff. This isn't, yeah. they're not just half-assing throwing stuff up there. You know, like that was some of the criticism on some of the um, ABC marvel series is that you know they were okay but they were really just tv versions of the movies and the mandalorian is like i said it's it's a movie they're just yeah they're serializing it for tv but it's the quality there's no drop off 
in quality. And, and, no. and it seems like based on the talent that they're bringing in to do a lot of these series, you know, like the um, Obi-Wan Kenobi spinoff, they're bringing back Ewan McGregor to do that, you know, and then the Marvel series, they're bringing Hiddleston to do Loki. They're bringing, you know, all the, all the key actors, they're having them in these series. So it's a good, it's a good start for them. They're, they're really doing well. Yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing what happens there. And, and it's a, it's a really good, really good show for sure. So was, are there I, any other series drama or comedy that you wanted to mention Millerman before we get to, I wanted to do some quick hits on some docs before we uh, wrap up. I know that's not your, your wheelhouse necessarily, but there's a few I wanted to touch on, but before we do that, I just want to make sure we didn't leave any off your list. There were a couple things that I wanted to talk about. Uh, obviously, if we're if we're doing this to open people's minds about what they can watch, particularly since we're still going through this pandemic, we don't know how much more shutdown there's going to be. Don't know when the the full rollout of all of the immunizations might might be or how effective they're going to be and things. So, who knows how much longer we're going to be trapped inside. So, there were some things that I definitely wanted to talk about. Uh, the first was if, if no one went back and watched the good place on NBC, I wanted to put a shout out to that. It, it wrapped up earlier this year. Did you happen to watch the good place? I did. And it's similar to me to Ted Lasso and Schitt's Creek and just, it'll make you feel good. It's a very heartwarming, positive, good emotional vibe to it. It is, except I would say that that it is in the end for sure. But but definitely leading up to it, it, it leading up to that end, it definitely has some some tension. And I don't want to give anything away, but but just watch the first season with uh, Kristen Bell and and Ted Danson and and all of the other actors and actresses that are in that show. They all are amazing for sure. But the show itself, I just wanted to mention because. I think it was so great. It was so smart. And you don't normally see that on network television, just how smart it was, uh, particularly with dealing with things like the afterlife and, and uh, existentialism. And, and, and just saying that word doesn't, doesn't make it sound appealing, <laughs> but I promise it's hilarious and it will make you think. And I just wanted to, to mention it for that. Um, another show, my wife's favorite show. I told you my favorite show, the West wing, my wife's favorite show is psych if you ever watched psych on usa that is by far far and away her favorite show of all time and you um, got a cameo for her for her was it her birthday for her birthday yes yes her um so dulay hill who happens to be on the west wing and is on psych. That's how we kind of came together there. That's how I convinced her to watch the West Wing was because Dulé Hill, who plays Gus on psych, I got her a cameo, which is where you can have an actor or a famous person do a personalized greeting to someone. And I did that for her birthday and it was fantastic. He did a killer job of saying happy birthday to her. And he seemed very genuine and sincere. He wasn't mailing it in. Yeah, I mean, obviously he's a good actor, so he could have been faking it, but no, he was. Uh, no, he seemed to enjoy it, and I think, I think, just seeing some of the other ones that he's done, I think he really does have a good time with that. But um, wanted to throw a shout out to Psych because we did watch that this year as well. I had not seen, I had seen a few episodes, but we sat down and watched it all, and she's right, it is, it is very, very funny. Um, I think one of my favorite recurring 
characters is uh, Pierre Despero played by Carrie Wolves. And it just, he is so funny in the role. And Carrie Wolves is the guy who played the Princess Bride. So Yes, Wesley. Wesley, yes. Anyway, so I just wanted to put a shout out there to Psych. And, and, and if didn't they have like a, some sort comedy, of a uh, one-off special? Like one of the guys had a stroke or something and they brought me. Yeah, one of the main characters had a stroke. Now they've made two movies uh, based on the, the show since then. Uh, the second one just came out this summer. But uh, the first that one... That was what I was thinking of was the movie. Yeah, 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 they've made two of them. And the first one came out right as right as production was getting started on the first movie. Uh, Timothy Olmanson, who is um, one of the, the main characters on the show, he had a stroke. And so he really wasn't able to participate in that first episode. He makes a small uh, video cameo basically. And so, but all of the, I mean, he was a huge part of the, of the show for its eight season run and all the cast loved him. And so one of the things that they wanted to do was make sure that they did another movie and that's what they did. His character is, is Lassiter on the show. Lassie, they call him. So Lassie comes home was the name of the second movie. He played a much bigger role because he has, has gone through his recovery, but he played a much bigger role in the second show. My daughter used to really enjoy that show, Psych. So it's I've really seen, funny. I've seen a few episodes. Yeah. Like I really liked when they did the Twin Peaks uh, parody. That was yes, really good. it was really good. And I watched a, I watched a, uh, oh, what's that show? There are uh, the Paisley, the Paisley Theater. And, and it does interviews with um, cast of shows and things like that. Um, anyway, they did a, they did an interview with the cast of Psych and Twin Peaks and it was them together and it was all the Twin Peaks cast and they were talking about that crossover and filming it and all of that. It was really, really good. You can see a lot of that on, on Amazon Prime. I'll have to check that out. Twin Peaks is uh, one of my favorite shows ever. So I, I uh, would definitely be interested in that. One other show, I guess I'm, I'll take it back. There are two other shows that I wanted to mention. One is a new show that came out on Netflix and it was called the queen's gambit. Did you watch uh, yes. it? Uh, my wife watched that and loved it. I kind of saw bits and pieces of it and enjoyed what I saw. I really like that actress. She's very good, man. I didn't know what it was, frankly, but I am a huge chess nerd. I play chess on my phone all the time, but you don't have to appreciate chess to watch this show. It's really, it's based on a book and the guy that wrote the book is the same guy that wrote uh, the color of money and the hustler, the original uh, Paul Newman vehicle. And so he's the same, but he, so he did what he did for pool basically is what he did for chess. And he made it, oh, okay. he made it interesting. And it was, it, it was an adaptation of that book and it takes place in the sixties and this young girl, and she lives in an orphanage and she finds somebody who teaches her to chess and turns out she's a prodigy. And then it just kind of goes from there and it it's it's eight episodes it's not a, it's not a long watch doesn't not, not a big commitment but man it is really good and and i did i don't think they're going to do a second season or anything like that but it's it's a fantastic show and i wanted to mention it yeah the the part i remember vividly seeing was when they were she was in the orphanage and i guess they were watching a movie or something and she sneaks out and breaks into the pharmacy and just takes all these pills like yeah 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 it's pretty funny it's pretty funny and the and some of the people that are in the show 
I, I didn't, I, I mean, I recognized a couple, but others I didn't like one of the, one of the main characters is um, the, the kid from game of Thrones. And, but he was also in my, one of my favorite movies of all time, the Christmas movie love actually he was in love actually. And then he was in game of Thrones, but he's in, he's in the Queens gambit as well. Just a bunch of good actors anyway. And, and I wanted to do a shout out to Queens gambit. And then the last one that I wanted to talk about, a show that came out years ago that for some reason I never latched onto, I never watched. And I'm kind of glad I didn't because I don't think I would have appreciated it as much, but I watched Treme. Man, I'm telling you right now, that show is so underappreciated. It really is. I don't know why it took me so long to find it, but again, HBO Max and I was watching just, uh, just, I was watching the West Wing and I was watching the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air and I thought, man, let me look, let me just go look at some of those shows and some of those shows that, that I've watched like the wire and things like that. And, and I was like, maybe I'll revisit. And then I was like, okay, wait, I've never seen Treme. Let me, let me sit down and watch it. And I watched, there's only like 35 or 36 episodes. It's not a lot. It's only four seasons. And the last season was only five episodes, but man, it is fantastic. The music is great. The story is great. I absolutely loved it and cannot recommend it enough if people have never seen it. After watching that show, I said to myself, if I ever, if circumstances ever presented themselves where I could just up and live wherever I wanted to, I'm moving to New Orleans. I would live in New Orleans. And I know I've heard all the negatives about it, you know, the weather and, you know, crime and all this stuff, but man, the music and the food, just give it to me, all of it now. For sure. You know, I mean, like, it, you know the, the funny I, part was I only went, I only went to New Orleans for the first time about five years ago. And it was, it was as amazing as, as I thought it was going to be. And now I wish I had seen this show before I had gone. Because I, I, there were places that I was, that I was at, and I was like, oh, I think I would have appreciated it more. And then the show itself, man, like I said, the music is so fantastic. There's well, the thing that, the thing that I think got me was, is that so much of that music is ingrained in who I am as a person and, and just from growing up, listening to different types of music and, and not really knowing exactly where it came from, but there was a lot of history in that. And, and it, it just builds on that. It was so, so good. I and mean, then it, the story, it, go ahead. It gives such an amazing perspective of what it would be like to be like a working musician Right. Who like literally lives gig to gig. Like somebody yeah. that is, you know, you're not the leader of a band. You're not a big name. You're just, you play the horn. Yep. You can get you, work. And it's you just get like, work. Yep. what that's like for somebody in that situation. And, and while I don't know how, how much of it, I, I feel like so much of it, frankly, was based on the reality of what it was like post Katrina. Yes. So Katrina happened in 2005. The show premiered in 2010. And, and really, like I said, it's only four seasons and, or uh, yeah, four seasons. And the last season is only five episodes, but it covers so much ground politically post Katrina. And, and it doesn't feel like it pulled any punches uh, about skewering some of the things that happened and it was so recent and it was so bold. And I don't think that I would have appreciated it watching it when it originally came out, but watching it now. And then in the midst of all the turmoil that we have politically and everything else, and you just see how 
Some things never change and some things just are what they are. Yeah. And all the machinations really blew me away. All the machinations, the, the transactional nature of politics and yeah. just everything you have to do, whether it's getting a permit or opening a restaurant, you know, all these, everything, yeah. all the graft and everything that goes on. My favorite character in the entire series and the story related to it was big chief and the, the whole yeah. thing yeah. with just, and, and getting to know all about like Mardi Gras and, and from the perspective of the crews and, you know, it's not just, you know, a parade and it's not right. just a party and that, you know, how seriously people take it in those roles, you know? Yeah. The Mardi Gras Indians that you're referring to and that history. And I had to start looking into some of that because again, some of that music I was familiar with, but didn't know it had been incorporated in other things or I've heard it be played and it just, it was a song. It didn't mean anything to me, but then watching it in the show and seeing it in the show, I was absolutely blown away. And the history of that is, is fascinating. And I think they did a tremendous job of bringing that to life and telling that complete story. And, you know, for, for people who have not watched it, I don't want to, I don't want to spoil anything, but man, the journey of, of the character that you're talking about, uh, Albert Lambro, big chief and, and what, what happens and, it's so great. And, and I love that show so much. And I love the fact that there's so many, you know, it's a David Simon show. So a lot of the actors who were in the wire are in Treme as well. And yeah. big chief is one of them. He, he was in the wire as well. A uh, great actor, the lady that ran that owned the bar yeah, and that, that, you know, she and big chief, spoiler alert, you know, have kind of a yep. bit of a thing going there on the side, but she's the whole thing with her. And, you know, she's married to the dentist, but, uh, he ends up kind of like basically caring for her children while right. she's off yeah. having at it. Big G. It's like, it's, uh, it's a really, it's just a really interesting show. You know, St um, Steve Zahn's DJ character yes. starts off just DJ McAlary annoying and just can't stand him and then by the end of the show it's like you just love the guy it's yeah there are there are so many there are so many characters and and like i said when i first started watching it i didn't even realize that john goodman is in the first season i i simply didn't know it and you know no spoilers but he's in the first season basically yes and uh it's just it's like i said it is it is so good and steve they, earl they bring in, steve earl is oh in it. man okay waylon Let's talk about let's talk about Steve Earle for a second, okay? Two things. First, Steve Earle is in it, and he is fantastic. And and there is a the, so side note, quick music thing. Steve Earle's son, Justin Towns Earle, passed away earlier this year from yes. uh, an accidental overdose. And I was not prepared. I was I'm a I'm a big Justin Towns Earle fan. Got some friends who knew him pretty well and and things. And there is a an episode where I think it's it may be the first episode that Steve Earle's in or first or second, I'm not sure, but they're sitting there and I look and I did a double take and Justin is there and I was like, "Oh shit." And I didn't and I was like and then I had to look it up like is he going to be in the rest of this too and it was he was just in that episode. He was just basically just sitting there as a as an extra, but he was sitting there next to his dad, and it just yeah, man, that hurt. It it hurt a lot actually, but man, it's such a good show. It really is, and I mean, there's things that I forget about until I start thinking about the show, like Sonny and his whole redemptive redemptive arc. You know, yeah. it's like 
Yeah. You know, that guy was an absolute shit heel early in the series yeah. and he completely turned it around. But just, and, and the fact that so many of those people were intertangled with each other, you know, like how um, they, how they intertwined all of the, the, I mean, basically every character intertwined in some ways they didn't even realize it. And it yes. was so great. And then, but then, then the actors and the actresses that, that are in it, like you mentioned, were, were either in other David Simon productions or like the, you mentioned the character of Sonny, Michael Huseman, who is, who was in game of Thrones or Kim Dickens, who went on to, to uh, the, the walking dead. And it just, it was so, I just blew me away. And, and God, I, I, while I wish I had seen it originally, I'm happy to have, have found it and be able to tell people about it and just say, please, if you've not seen it, if you enjoy music, if you enjoy food, if you enjoy history, if you enjoy New Orleans, watch the show. It's it's fantastic. And uh, Michael Huseman, mentioning him, he also is a fairly pivotal role in a new show that came out on HBO Max here recently called The Flight Attendant that my wife and I just finished watching. How is it? It's good. It's all, it's close to very good. I, I would, I would recommend it. I would recommend it. All right. Have you, you haven't seen it? No, I, it's, again, it's one of those where I've saved it, but I haven't watched it yet. It's definitely worth watching. It's kind of out there at times, uh, especially his character. That's an understatement, but it's, it's definitely a good watch. I would say it's worth your time. I think it's eight episodes, maybe seven or eight episodes. And initially they had planned it just to be like a single limited series run. But I think there's now fully talking about a season two. So I read that today that it was confirmed for a season two. And the way it ended does would lend itself to there being a season two. So it's New not adventures or what it's not something that would be kind of ridiculous to, uh, to have done. But um, yeah, the interesting thing about it is, you know, the main actress is uh, the one from big bang theory, Kaylee Cuoco. Yeah. And she's really good in it. But her friend who's on it is the actress who was on that show girls. And you may have seen her, her, her dad's David Mamet. Yep. And I've, I've never really been particularly a fan of hers, but she's really good on this. Huh. You know, Rosie Perez is in it. It's good. It's uh, it's well done. The other things I wanted to mention, or is there, did, was there anything else? I didn't mean to cut nope, you off. I know nope, we, nope, nope, we had kind of an extended segment on our year end 2020 shows on a show that was 10 years old, but I'm glad it was <laughs> Treme because that show needs attention. Before we close out, I just wanted to kind of touch on a couple of um, documentaries that uh, I saw that I really enjoyed. I liked McMillions. I know you said you bailed on that after one episode. Um, I, 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 again, it's one of those ones where I plan to come back and watch it. I watched the first episode and I was kind of, kind of intrigued, but I, I didn't watch the whole thing. I mean, it wasn't of the docs I saw. It wasn't the best. It was okay. It was good in that same vein, the DB Cooper documentary that just came out on HBO probably a couple weeks ago. Good. It was worth watching. Uh, I do enjoy me some DB Cooper theories. Yes. And they're, the interesting thing about this is that they're, they go through four possible suspects four possible candidates to have been D.B. Cooper. And every one of them, when they explain it, it's like, okay, that's got to be him. And then they show the next one. It's like, okay, no, 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 that's got to be him. And they're all four of them are like that. Quick side note. Did you see the trailer for Loki? No, but I heard that he is D.B. Cooper in the trailer. That's, that's what, yes, it's fantastic. That's what makes me giggle right now because I'm like, oh, I can't wait to see Loki and see what they do with this. That definitely looks like it's worth seeing. There's two other docs I've seen fairly recently. One of them, uh, this one was on HBO Max, is uh, and it's a multi-part series on uh, the Heaven's Gate cult. It was interesting from the standpoint of how far back 
that whole thing went. Like, if you remember, like in the 90s, that just kind of came up out of nowhere, like, oh, there's this Marshall Applewhite, and, you know, they're all thinking they're going to get abducted by Jesus aliens, and they're, you know, so they killed them. It was mass suicide, kind of a Jim Jones thing, but they had been planning and prepping that for over 20 years. Like, that was not just like a last minute thing. The only thing that I, I haven't seen that up there, I haven't seen that doc, but the thing that creeps me out about this, am I, am I remembering this correctly that they all had like the same Nikes on? Yeah. Is yeah. That, they had yeah. uniforms. Yeah. They, yeah. they did. They had, because creepy. they were, their whole thing was that they were waiting for a UFO to take them to heaven. They were transcending their bodies that they were going, they were going to undergo a metamorphosis to shed their human vehicle to become alien heaven creatures. So if you watch it, it makes more sense, but even then it's out there. The thing that's most interesting about it, though, is of all the cults, it's the only one where watching it, there really is very little, if any, kind of coercion or it's like everybody's really kind of willingly participating and buying in. And it wasn't a hard sell. It was. A, no, it wasn't a hard sell. And, there, and you know, they would let people leave periodically and they'd come back. And then sometimes people would quit the cult and then they'd come back later. It's like it's, it's bizarre. But. But the one that I I really thought was the best documentary of all of them, uh, and this is an H, I think this was regular HBO. It's called uh, Murder on Middle Beach, and it's about this guy created by this guy, who the director, the guy that did the whole thing, whose mother was murdered when he was a teenager, and he is doing the documentary to try to find out who killed his mother. And they start out when he starts filming the documentary. It was probably three or four years after she died. And he works on it for probably six or seven years. Oh, wow. And they go through for a while. It's like, you think that his sister may have done it for a while. You think his aunt, the woman's mm -hmm. sister who died may have done it by the end. It looks pretty strong and like her husband, his dad did it. Like, yeah, yeah. And it's just, and the, all the emotion that he goes through, like, you know, as he's learning about what happened and how much has been kept from him, not only about what happened to his mother, but all the stuff she was involved in, all the stuff his dad was involved in. It's just peeling these layers back of all oh, these wow. family secrets. And it's just, and, and you're seeing kind of real time him finding out massive family secrets. You know, it's just like, it's really interesting. It's really interesting. And it's, it sounds pretty tense too. It's very intense. I want to say it's maybe five or six parts, but it's, it's really good. It's kind of open-ended, but they're still, by the time it wraps up, they're getting pretty close. A lot of what's interesting is the resistance they're getting from the local PD and the stuff you're finding out that, you know, leads the PD didn't follow up on or evidence the PD didn't really look at or wasn't really willing to look, you know, it's like, there's a lot of that going on. It's just, it was very fascinating. Triple uh, you, thumbs up on that. You might've, you might've convinced me to watch that one. You know, true crime. I'm not necessarily like hardcore true crime fan, but if it's done well, and there's some sort of element of intrigue to it beyond just the garden variety whodunit, this definitely fits that bill. Well, I'm sure you will have sold my wife. Her favorite channel is the ID investigation discovery channel yeah so dude she'll be all over this if, yeah, you, if you guys sit and watch it I, i'm telling you man it's it's fantastic that that kid man you, you really feel for him because all he wants to know is who killed his mom that's it he gets so much more than he bargained for and just the discussions he has with his dad are so fucking painful man it's like his dad 
whether he killed the woman or not is the biggest dick like that guy it's like he you find out like what what a shady businessman he was and all the stuff he was pulling like when he was ceo of one company and then he starts setting up all these shell companies and stuff and just he basically anytime he talks to the son he's basically lawyering up like just they can't even have like just a normal conversation like it's so it, it it's obvious at the very minimum you think he's got to have had something to do with it whether he did it or not it just there's so many signs pointing that way but this this poor kid man he just his mom was murdered and he just he wants to have a relationship with his dad and his sister's all effed up and he's trying to reconnect with her and the whole family it, like and his grandma the the woman who died her mother she is also just like the sweetest lady and and there's all this you know alcohol in various members of the family and drugs and but they're this like really well-to-do connecticut family so it's sounds like a great family it's out there man you've got me convinced on that because i will say that there is one documentary that i i didn't think about mentioning that melanie and i watched and part of it is because of the love that i have for the team but we did watch a documentary on aaron hernandez god that guy such a bad dude such a bad life like weren't his weren't his parents really bad weren't they both like yeah criminals and stuff yeah i mean his dad mostly his his mom wasn't wasn't a great person by any stretch of the imagination but she wasn't so he had no chance no basically no chance and then but this is a guy who then had a chance, right? Because he was out of it. But then it turns out that he probably did some stuff when he was at the University of Florida and it just, oh man, not a good guy. Just period, end stop, not a good guy. I think that's what's compelling about Murder on Middle Beach though, is that you are rooting for the kid, for the guy. Like all this bad stuff's happening, but at least you have one person that you want things to work out for. Like he seems like a good kid. He seems like he obviously went through some, you know, kind of a rough period when he was younger, uh, some wild ass stuff. But at least if you've got somebody to pull for, that makes it a lot better than if it's just everybody's evil. Yeah, I, I would agree with that for sure. Before we wrap up, let's make sure everybody knows how to reach us on social media. We'll start with you, David. What are your handles for Twitter and Instagram? I think you finally aligned the two. Yes, I did. I did. You can reach me on Twitter or on Instagram at Blind Nello. Which is also the record label that uh, released the 20th anniversary of Extreme Procrastination, or I should say Max Stalling. <laughs> that is correct. That is his, his record label. So for me, this is also the opportunity where I get to promote all of my other podcasts that nobody listens to because they only listen to this one. Junior will kill me if I don't start off with how many. The only podcast on the internet that counts that you've guested on on a handful of occasions. I have. You can find that podcast at How Many Podcast and the website's howmanypodcast.com. Myself, Jesse Jr., Scott Gary, and others from time to time will rate and debate various topics on pop culture, TV, movies, music, sports, and others. Uh, you also can find a podcast I do called Bend and Scoop, which is a music podcast, indie music. Uh, I've got a Twitter handle and Instagram, both at Ben Scoop, as well as the Facebook. Uh, you can find the podcast on Apple Podcasts, anywhere else uh, other than Spotify. Then there is Assume the Juxtaposition. So if you want to come join the Mike Hunt, you can do that by looking at our Twitter and Instagram web presence at Pod. It's the podcast where you're the host, 
and I'm the guest. It's an open mic concept. Again, that's why we're constantly having folks join the mic hunt and uh, sign up for that. And then my personal Twitter account is Lukewarm Tallboy. Also on Instagram is Lukewarm Tallboy. And then there's one other podcast real quick to mention, Campfire Songs, at Songs Campfire on Twitter. Myself and a couple buddies share songs and talk about them. So you can't get enough of me here. There's plenty more places that I'm being overexposed right now that you can check out. Everybody check out all of the different podcasts provided by Lukewarm Tallboys Studio. Yes. Three of those I mentioned, or two of them and this one, are Lukewarm Tallboy. A couple others are not, but I'm involved in my own level of participation. So need to include, include those there. Happy New Year. And to you and your family and everyone. Have a happy new year. Look forward to seeing you in February and talking uh, talking to you then. Yeah. This is Ramblin' Roy Miller reminding you to keep it country and so long for now. Pausable Deniability is a production of Lukewarm Tallboy Studios. Oh, Mike.